0: previously on research rank repeat part three episode three episode three part three as well both are accurate of studio ghibli yep studio ghibli studio ghibli same thing different pronunciation when i first saw it 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 gave me like um some charlie brown vibes yes like animation style prior to seeing all these films back to back to back i probably would have said this is my favorite yeah studio ghibli film i'm currently not sure Yeah, It certainly holds up the same way that I remember it holding up. I will say, Carl and Cash were obsessed with this film because they heard all the meowing. Um, They were very into it. Unfortunately, I was not. (laughs) Um, All right, Alyssa, are you ready to move on to Howl's Moving Castle? I am. Yes, Howl. I don't like that. Did you want me to howl at the moment? No, it was like, you know, um, when they used to go, Go get them, tigers. Right. Wow, it was like that. Yeah. Wow. And then any, ugh, all the food moments. God, oh my gosh. The breakfast. Oh, like the fried eggs. When they were making oh. the bacon and the it eggs. It looks so good. That whole scene, I was like, this is what I, like, this is what they do so well are these like yeah. little small moments of just like living life. You know what? I, I don't necessarily agree with the Rotten tomato score. I, I don't either. Didn't find it like to be bad. I found it more... I found it a bit confusing at times. Yeah. Um, a bit hard to follow at times, but I didn't think it was necessarily like a bad movie. And she was a dragon? And she was a dragon i looked away for like five seconds and then she was a dragon and i, I was did like did too. i miss I something like, well because there's a part right where they're at the top of the castle right. and like he jumps and there's like that like transition right. water scene which was really cool i did like that yeah. scene and then all of a sudden i was like wait why is there a dragon?" I, I, like, away- I, I was like i swear yeah. i looked away for two seconds i don't know what's happening i don't really get know what the right words to describe this <laughs> film this little child loves ham she loves <laughs> yeah. ham She's obsessed with ham, which I'm like. Yeah. I can't relate because I don't. Really I can't like, either. I, <laughs> I was don't saying, like ham. I don't really like ham, but I love the enthusiasm she <laughs> has for ham. She's like, I want to eat ham. Welcome. This is Research Rank Repeat. This is co-host Hannah. This is co-host Alyssa. And we are back with our next episode of Studio Ghibli. Yes. Number four. Part four. Part four. We're almost to the end. Yeah. We're getting there. The final stretch. Never thought we'd see this day. No. Yeah, we technically, after this chunk is complete, we will have just... One film left to do. And we, you can say we planned this to work out this way, even though we definitely, we're going to have this all up last year and early this year, but that's fine. We're going to ignore that. But yeah, we planned this because Studio Ghibli is releasing a new film in North America in December. Yeah. So we're going to be caught up and ready to see it when it comes out. It's very exciting. You know us always prepared. (laughs) Always planning ahead. Always thinking the next step ahead. We're always ready. Yeah. That's that cocaine. Sweet coke. Doesn't this Santa look like he's been doing cocaine? Oh, definitely doing cocaine. Shh, kids, don't tell your parents (laughs) I've been doing coke. Watch me sniff. Snore this cocaine out my nostrils. But anyways, back to Studio Ghibli and back to animated movies. Should we jump in? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go on to our next film. Our first film of this set is called The Secret World of Arrietty, which was released in 2010. It was a rating of G and has a runtime of an hour and 35 minutes. Uh, and let me just say that, uh, as always... Most of my information was collected from our most trusted source, Wikipedia. Yes. As it always is. Yes. This movie is based on a novel called *Arietti the Borrower. Oh, sorry. It's also known as *Arietti the Borrower based on the novel The Borrowers. Um, it was a film, a movie. <laughs> it, was a, it was a book. <laughs> I just. Anyway. <clears throat> In 1952, Mary Norton released the book, Mm -hmm. The Borrowers, and it has several adaptations um, already, in which I've actually seen at least one of the adaptations. I think it was called The Borrowers. Uh, John uh, Goodman Mm. was the dad in that movie that I remember watching. It's like an 80s or 90s movie. Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli had actually wanted to adapt this book into a film for almost 40 years. Wanted to do it. And I think they just couldn't find the right story or something. I don't know. I guess that's all I wrote down. I thought I wrote down more about it, but apparently I didn't. And that's fine. Anyway, so it is a Japanese animated fantasy film. And it was directed by Hiromasa uh, Yono Bayashi. Uh, who was a first-time director with the studio and also the youngest director with the studio. Um, I believe he was 36 at the time the film was released. Um, The screenplay for the film was written by um, Hayao Miyazaki and Kaiko Niwa, and the film's score and theme song were done by Cecile Corbill, I believe is her name. She's a French and Brento singer that after she released a, um, an album, she made a second album and sent some of the samples to people that she had admired. One of those being Studio Ghibli. And um, the producer of pretty much most of these films, um, Toshio Suzuki, during production wanted a, like, a Celtic-inspired theme for this film. And so it was just chance that she had happened to send the samples in. And she heard back within 10 days. Mm. Like they, He heard them and he was like, hey, I would like to work with you. And she was originally just supposed to do the theme song, but they liked her so much that she ended up doing the entire score as well. And it's the first time that they had worked with a non-Japanese composer. So mm. I that was pretty noteworthy. Interesting. So the other thing that I think is really interesting about this film is that it actually had two dubs. It had an English american dub and it had an english british dub and it actually is the the cinematic debut of tom holland oh interesting Um, It was his first film that he was in and the british dub in my opinion has a much better voice cast than the american dub uh which is the version that i watched uh and i'll talk more about that later but one thing I note is specifically with the American dub, they westernized all of the names of the characters. So in the British dub, they did not do that. And mm-hmm. normally in the um, English dubs that Disney does, they don't actually um, change the names. So I'm, I was trying to see if there was any reason why they decided to do that just for this film, but I didn't really find anything specific. But that was something that I thought was interesting. And, um... The film garnered positive reviews. It was the highest-grossing film in Japan of 2010. It made 145 million worldwide. It won the Animation of the Year award at the Japanese uh, uh, Japan Academy Prize, and it was a uh, 7.5 million people saw the film in theaters, which is a the record number of people at a theater for a first-time director. So they held... I don't know if that's specifically in Japan. Yeah. I think it's specifically for Japan, but that's like a pretty um, significant feat for someone to have. Right. It is the uh, fourth highest-grossing anime film in the U.S., Hmm. which it's the only, and I guess the first film, not based on a game franchise. Interesting. So that's a pretty... Also interesting that this film in itself got a bunch of promotion... It opened in 1,522 theaters in the U.S., which was also a record at the time. So really was heavily pushed in... <laughs> Please don't do that right now. Or ever. Let go. Okay, thank you. But so it was really heavily pushed in the United States, and I'm wondering if that's why they gave right. you know, all the Western names and they you know, right. had two different versions of the film. So it has a um, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 80 out of 100 on Metacritic, a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 3.8 out of 5 on Letterbox. All right, so now for the summary, which comes from uh, Max. Just good Max. Max, good old Max. Arietti and her family live out of sight from humans, but she strives. She, but she strikes an unlikely friendship when she meets a human boy. This is Ghibli's A Bug's Life meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. it. You know what it actually really reminded me of? It Takes Two, the video game we've been playing. Oh yeah, it is a lot like um, that, yeah. I, I knew nothing about this movie. I knew a little okay. bit, because I remember like, mm. so 2010, I I have a very distinct memory of seeing trailers for this, like yeah. everywhere, and clearly they heavily, it seems like they heavily pushed it in the US, so I'm not surprised that I... Emily's familiar, and I know, like, the, I don't think I've read The Borrowers, I may have, but it's, okay. it's been so long, but I definitely, there was a version, I think, called The Borrowers, and it came out in, like, the 90s, and John Goodman is in it, and I, like, vaguely have some memories of that, so, like, I'm kind of familiar with this adaptation. Right. People also compare it to, like, Fern Gully, okay. um, which yeah. is also a film that I've, I've seen uh, yeah. before, it's got similar vibes to that. I do like the, like, adventure aspect of it. I think it's cool. I think they were able to do a lot of cool animation stuff with, with the different, like, proportions and, like, the different sizes. I will say, though, like, I liked the first half, like, when it was just her and her dad a lot. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like when the boys' story arc came in, it kind of, like, ruined it a little bit for me. Yeah, I think I would agree uh, that I liked the first half of this film yeah. better than the second half. It felt more... I don't know, like, her, I li- I really liked the girl and the dad's, like, interactions, and I thought, like, the dad's character had a little bit of a weird arc at the end. Like, I thought it was going one way because he, he said something about, like, you don't always have to run away, you can, like, look and observe... And then decide. But then, like, the rest of the movie, he was, like, very against it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I enjoyed the first half a lot more. I think the ending was a little bit odd and, like, rushed. Yeah. So, um, I mentioned that I watched this in um, the English dub, mm-hmm. the American dub. And I told Hannah, I was like, cause she hadn't seen it yet after I'd watched it. So, I was like, don't watch the yeah. don't watch the English dub. Um, and the reason that is, is I just genuinely didn't like... The voice acting, yeah. No offense to the the people who are acting. Um, the only people I thought did good were um, Will Arnett was her mm-hmm. dad, and Amy Pullmer, Amy Pullmer, Amy Puller was her mom, and Carol Channing was um, Haro Haru. Yeah, uh, the I think she's sort of like a housekeeper, right. of the the house that they're living in. Those the adult cast was good, but the child cast. Especially, and again, um, no offense to David Henry, who's from Wizards of Waverly. He's yeah. played, um, well, also his name was Sean. Yeah. In the, um, what, is it Shoe? You... Shoe. Wait. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I don't know what, that's the problem is I don't know what any of their names are. They're supposed to be because, but yeah, anyway, I... Sean, the boy, the sick boy who has yes. a heart operation coming up. He just, I just was not sold on his voice acting for the character, okay. so that's also why I don't think I loved, necessarily loved the second half of the film either, once he is a pretty much a main character alongside Ariety. Right, okay. And this is the only time this has happened where I feel like I would have probably enjoyed the film more if I watched it in Japanese, or had watched the British Show, rub. show. Show, okay, show. So Sean, show. I wasn't really into, I don't know, his character was, I don't know if it's specifically because of the voice acting, but I just, mm-hmm. like, wasn't really into his character. You know what, though? I wasn't into it in yeah. the Japanese version. And again, like, he's, you know, clearly does not have an optimistic view of life because he's pretty much, like, has a, not, like, a death sentence, but right. is undergoing, like, an operation that's going to potentially Kill him. It's possible. Yeah. So I get that. Um. He was also like kind of creepy. Like he left a note, and it was like you forgot something. <laughs> oh, but it like yeah. I, in my head, I heard it as like Liam Neeson, like <laughs> good luck. Like I heard it like as like a murderer. But I wasn't really into his character in the Japanese version, so I don't know that's a, that that is on David Henry. I think that's yeah. just the character. Yeah, I guess that's fair. If you also felt right, somewhere. and that's why I think when he came into the movie, it kind of like took me out of the film a little bit. Yeah. Um, Positives, though, I think the score really worked Mm -hmm. with this film. I thought it definitely was distinct. Um, I could definitely hear, like, the kind of Celtic influence that they were looking for. Clearly, like, they wanted that dynamic. And I liked the themes that were written for the film. And I also really liked... And I think it's much more prominent in the first half of the film, like, the quietness mm-hmm. and, like, the the way they shot the them, like, in, you know, a human world inside the house. Like, the equipment they had, right. things they used to navigate and things they picked up. So I really liked that stuff. And the... The focus on that I think worked those scenes worked really well and were really engaging. But yeah, then like the overarching story, right, of them needing to move and find a new home, I didn't, you know, particularly like love that. I thought it was just not as engaging as I wanted it to yeah. be. Yeah, um, I don't think it's a bad film, Mm-mm. I just don't think it was. It's it's not what I wanted, right. I guess, is maybe. And that's hard also because it's adapted from a book. So, yeah, um, you know, you there's can, only so much. So much they liberty can you can take. Yeah, I think um, it, it kind of it was weird because it was going in the direction it was going was making me think that they would end up staying. OK, there was this like dollhouse or this house that had been built by the fa- and had been in this family for like a very long time. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of how I thought the film was going to go. And they had the whole thing of like the housekeeper who was like really creepy and yeah. trying to like snatch them. they basically just like everyone was like, Okay, well you're insane and <laughs> this is whatever. And then they ended up leaving and I get that, but it just I don't know. It it felt it felt a bit disjointed in the second half from the first half. Yeah. Like it it almost like was like it was like two different films. Kind of. And they kind of like didn't I don't know, there was some like disconnect between the first yeah. half and the second half. That I, I Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that was it. That that there was just some disconnect that was bothering me. I think that also maybe part of the disconnect is that I just didn't necessarily buy the relationship between mm-hmm. um Show, Show. and Arietti. Yeah. Like I felt like they didn't really have the like developed dynamic that I would have wanted right. for these two characters. And I feel like they've done Things, like, relationships like that better. Yeah. That's, like, one of Ghibli's strengths, is yeah. is these, like, relationships that they right. portray. And, yeah, he he was just very much, like, the whole time, like, you're the only people left. You're gonna die. Like, all this stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. I was way more engaged in the relationship between, like, the dad and Arietti. And um, yeah. I would agree. And I think that's kind of why I was, like, I would have wished to see more of that towards the end. But... I don't know. It wasn't a bad film. It just, it, there was something, something not there. Or some some weird thing that just made me kind of disconnect from the movie. Yeah. Alright. Do you have anything else you um, want to do favorites? I don't think so. The okay. only other things that I have notes on are things that are part of, like, my favorite okay. stuff. So probably I think I'm good. Okay. Um, I, I favorite character, I went with Arietti. I did as um, well. I just think she's, like, independent and wants to be able to go out on her own and and be her own person and I feel like she like believes the best in people which her parents are kind of very like weary Mm -hmm. for for good reason but I feel like she kind of has this almost like naiveness that allows her to like believe the best in people um but yeah I just I also do love like a female character who's like I'm gonna go do it on my own she kind of reminds me of uh, Rapunzel's character mm. from Tangled, I feel like, because she's also very isolated, like, yeah. she's not meant, met any other borrowers, yeah. you know, and she's an only child, so she just lives with her parents and no one else, and Yeah, doesn't really have a lot of exposure. So, like, I feel like, but she has, like, the curiosity right. and the, like, um, drive and desire mm-hmm. to understand world the world, and I think she does have naiveness, like you said. right? But I liked her... Like, willingness to do things, and also, like, recognizing her faults, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, uh, appreciating her relationship with her dad, I think. Yeah. That, they somehow, they got that dynamic down. Yeah. I mean, that worked really well. Yeah, definitely. So, favorite scene. I really like the scene when they come back from her first, like, borrowing, and she didn't get the sugar, mm-hmm. and... Her dad's like, "Oh, we'll show your mom what you found." Like he kind of just yeah. like brushed it off, like, "Oh, right. we didn't have time. The light ran out. We didn't yeah. have time." Like basically, right. kind of like giving her an out. Yeah. Um. But then he was like, "We'll show your mom like what you found," and like kind yeah. of trying to spin it positive. So I just really liked it, and I think I just really liked the d- the dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that I, I think that I, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I think that I just appreciated that scene. What are you doing? <laughs> He's just like posing on the couch. He's really posing for a uh, painting. <laughs> Paint me like one of your French girls. <sighs> my goodness. All right. Okay. Anyways. Um. Yeah. My my favorite scene is also kind of in that. Um. Just like the their journey into the house for her mm-hmm. first borrowing. I really liked a lot of like I kind of said earlier. But I liked a lot of the quietness of that scene. Um. I liked the dynamic between her and her dad, and just like the way they were able to shoot. The, like, small versus Mm -hmm. normal size stuff to give that, like, uh, scope, I thought was well done. Um, So I really liked that. Yeah. Um, I did have a line. I kind of mentioned it, but it was the dad saying, like, you don't always have to run, observe them first, and then decide. Kind of being, like, be cautious, but, like... You don't have to like panic right away. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that like advice he gave her. Yeah, mine's um, not serious because I mm-hmm. thought it was funny um, when she's talking to a show uh, shoe show show show. Okay, Sean. She's talking to Sean. Sean. Um, it was so funny. Her goes, Sean. I was like, Yep, Sean. She was like, We only um, take things that we need. Or we borrow things, we don't steal things. Uh, soap, cookies, and sugar, all things we need to survive. And I'm like, honestly, I support that. Yeah. I, too, need soap, sugar, and cookies to yeah. survive. So I'm on board with that. Um, I, I just too. thought that was a funny line. So, yeah. Um. So for Ghibli moment, uh, there was this part where she was being, like, chased by a crow. And Show like, grabbed her from the like windowsill to help her and it got like quiet oh yeah Just like dead Uh silence and it was just like this like two to three second moment but i just i really liked how they just dropped all the noise and then it was just like the visual and like the facial expressions um i think that's something ghibli does well and that's also something that the mouse yes does well that we've talked about like the quiet moments right um but yeah so i just appreciated that choice yeah, I liked that scene a lot. The one that I picked because I felt like it gave me that sense of uh I don't know, wonder that mm-hmm. I get with certain Ghibli scenes. But it's when um the his aunt is showing him the dollhouse mm-hmm. at the inside and they're like opening the rooms and just like the attention to detail yeah. and the soundtrack and the way they shot like just like still images of like that house and you could feel like his aunt being, like, you know, this is mm-hmm. intended to be, like, they're all modeled to real size. They all work. Like, it was, like, so, your mom was so, like, believed so heartedly that, like, yeah. they would come and use the house. Um, and I just really liked the, like, it was a very charming scene. Yeah. So that one I felt like was the most, like, oh. Yeah. I really liked that scene, too. That was, yeah. like, my runner-up Ghibli moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just move on. Okay, the next movie from Up on Poppy Hill. This movie is rated PG, came out in 2011, it was an hour and 31 minutes, um, has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 87% in Rotten Tomatoes, and box office was $61.5 million. Director was Goro Miyazaki, and it was written by um, Hayao Miyazaki and Kiko Niwa, Um, This is based on the 1980 serialized manga of the same name. Um, So there's like a bit of historical background in this. So I'm just going to dive into a little bit of that. Please do. Um, So, following Japan's defeat in the Second World War, Japanese ships were taken under control by the Supreme Commander uh, for the Allied Powers. And then at the start of the Korean War, those ships and then with Japanese crews were put into service by the U.S. military uh, to carry forces and supplies to Korea. And according to estimates, 56 Japanese sailors and laborers were killed in the Korean War zone. That was just in the first six months. Uh, There's a lot of officials that estimate the total number of Japanese killed in the Korean War have never actually been published and the U.S. and Japanese governments have never officially recognized the role of Japanese non-combatants in the war. Okay. Good times. Yeah, love that. Oh, another thing they mentioned was like that in the 1960s, not just in Japan but around the world, a lot of students started getting more into like activism and like doing like uh, like marches or mm-hmm. you know protests or like doing a lot of different activism work. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a worldwide thing that happened. Yeah. And that was kind of seen in this film. Um, so this film's production was affected by the blackouts after the 2011 to- Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. Mm-hmm. Um, they said a lot of the production um, got delayed because there were so many blackouts. They couldn't keep up with the, keep up with the production, yeah. but they did get it out. Um, they wanted to get it out in 2011 and they still managed okay. to. So it wasn't horribly. Not a huge delay. wasn't yeah. horribly um, delayed. Okay, so um, this film was one of the Japanese films that was showcased at the 2011 Toronto International Film Festival, and with this movie, it was not distributed by Disney in North America. Um, That was the first time that a Studio Ghibli film had not been distributed by them since Princess Mononoku princess mononoke mononoke princess mononoke Princess mononoke, yeah. um it was actually uh distributed by g kids okay which i've heard of before yeah um so disney for some reason decided they weren't going to distribute it okay and it had a very limited theatrical release in north america as well okay. hmm. um i wonder if it has anything to do with like the historical context of it like maybe or if it was just like whatever choice I, they had made i know that um when i was the next film that we did uh, they talked a little about it but the contract the d- contract between disney and studio ghibli mm-hmm. like through the north american rights like had expired at some point okay. in the teens i don't so i'm remember, wondering if this was around i don't remember time. what year it was um but i know like at least the next film that came out like two years later okay. they mentioned that Disney, Disney still distributed it and did that okay. stuff even though they maybe didn't have the contract so maybe it was something with that yeah um, it could be um, but this was considered a pretty good commercial success especially compared to oh god I forgot the name Goro's first oh, film Tales he did Tales of Earthsea this yeah. movie got a lot better praise and a lot better in terms of like box office numbers and, and the numbers it drew in it had a lot better of a rating this was all from Wikipedia. Of course. Okay, for a summary. As Japan recovers from World War II, friendship blossoms between classmates Umi and Shun, but a buried secret from their past cast a shadow on the future. I thought it was weird they called it friendship, because it definitely was more than friendship. Friendship, in quotes. Definitely was a um, relationship. What a wild movie. Um... <sighs> Let's just get into it first and foremost. There is an incest plot line. Yeah. Uh, we'll just, we'll start with that. Let's just start there. Um, Sorry, uh, for anyone who's watching or listening to this, if you are trying to avoid spoilers, I hope you're yeah. not under the impression that we're, we talk about everything. We spoil everything. You know, we don't do like, go beat by beat the entire story. No. But we'll definitely not shy away from talking mm-hmm. about important plot elements and things like that. And I was my notes. Hannah mm-hmm. are insane. Like at first, I'm like, basically, you got these two characters, and they're they have a friendship that starts to right. develop, and then clearly, you can kind of see the, you know, they have they the, seem to have kindling of yeah, romance, kindling feelings, and then he sees a picture of her dad mm-hmm. and has some confusion. Yes, and. My first thought was okay, Do did their dads have beef or something? Like, right. Is there an issue between their father? Like I was thinking. maybe he recognizes him or knows right. something. Because um, the main character, Umi's father, has died. She is one of the um, Japanese sailors who was killed in the Korean War. Yes. Um, I was like, maybe it's something with that. Then you he's with his dad and he's like is this man my dad Mm -hmm. and he's like we've gone over this i'm your father like basically insinuating that like they might have the same father right and then you you, they're like we have the same dad and so things they kind of like don't talk for a little bit but then i was not prepared no she's like i don't care if we're siblings i'm in love with you or like i'm in love with you or something like that and i was like what is happening yeah, it, it, cause I, my notes literally go, does he know the dad? So he does. Wait, he's his dad, so they're half siblings. And then I said, or actual siblings. Wait, so they aren't related, they are related. Like, it yeah. was a lot. Yeah, their dad's got beef. I'm not sure what the issue is. Oh, no, not siblings. What the fuck? I was not prepared for a Studio Ghibli incest plotline at all. Oh, thank God. It's just an overly convoluted plotline. So in the end, yeah. they end up not being related. So it, in case you were concerned. It was very confusing, though, because, like, she talks to her mom about it, and then her mom meets his dad at a like, coffee shop, and then they find a general on a ship who can explain. Like, it was, it was just a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It was very, like, confusing. I just kept going back and forth. And uh, par- part of me is, like, that all, like, deterred me from the plot because yeah. I felt like... This movie's interesting because the main plot of this movie is that they're trying to save this, like... It's like a boys clubhouse. Right, like this old yeah. clubhouse and it houses all their clubs, like... And they're trying to, like, preserve it and save it. And that's, like, this main plot. But then right. you have this side plot of, like, just mass confusion. And I think it, like... <laughs> Drew me away from the main plot. And, like, when I think back on this movie, all I can think about is, like, the confusion. Yeah. Like, that's part of my issue. And, like, there were parts I liked. I still think it's a good movie because I, do, I too. will say I was drawn into yeah. the story. I, like, yeah. was not bored because I was no. like, where is this going? I was like, this studio cannot, like, it's really PG. Right. You know? I think it's a good film in that it, like, definitely catches your attention. Mm-hmm. I just think it's very, like, it reminds me a lot of, like, the 2010s, like, high school drama TV shows where there's just a lot of, like, a lot happening and a lot of, like, very confusing plot lines. Yeah. Um But I don't know. It's it's hard. This one's hard to figure out where I'm going to place because yeah. it's, I don't I think, know. Um, I think you, I would agree that I think the two plot lines don't kind of right. feel a disjointed at times. Um, I like, because I liked both of them. But like separately and not together, they don't mesh. Um, the one thing that I was having a hard time with, and we had kind of talked about this a little before, is that I was having a hard time understanding relationships between characters, yes. Because you get um, Umi and she has two siblings, right? Her mom is away in America, she's studying, yes. Um, her dad is dead, yes. She's living with her grandmother, right? But then she also has, I believe, cousins. Yeah, I never call confused. them cousins, yeah. And then there's also maybe another cousin who is a doctor who right. comes back for like some event or something, right. like, graduates med school. Um and then you have the ship captain and he's like, here's me in this photo with your dad and your dad and here's us in a photo And it was really hard sometimes for me to keep all these relationships set. Like, one of her friends looked a lot like her sister. That's what I thought. So I I kept thinking her sister and her friend were the same person, but they weren't. Yeah. um, Because they had very similar hairstyles and a very similar look, and they're all wearing school uniforms. So it's like, so there was definitely some confusion between that aspect, and I was having a hard time keeping the character straight. Yeah, I Um, would agree. But I did think a lot of it worked well. Yeah. Um, that's why I also agree. I think this one is going to be a hard one for me to rank. Yeah. Because I like the film. I think it does a lot of things well. It kind of like feels like the school element kind of feels similar, like Whisper of the Heart a little bit. Yeah. Like that element of like school. There's some things that I really liked and there's some things that I was confused about and then I was distraught. Yeah. <laughs> when it- I was like, what it, where's this plot line going? I'm on a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's like weird because I still don't really know how I feel about it. Like, yeah, I feel like it was all over the place, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I think I'm gonna have to think on this one before I rank it because I I genuinely don't yeah. know. I will say something. I really liked the jazzy soundtrack. Yeah, I was really cool. liked the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, do you know? Did uh, our resident Joe. Is I, she do it? Or was it somebody else? Oh, uh, you know? let me check because okay. I did not. I don't think I'm it just it curious. Because it felt like, I felt like a lot of the newer Studio Ghibli films all have very distinct sounding soundtracks. Like, right. In a way that is nice. It's nice because I feel like a lot of them were relatively similar to right. the older movies. You know, it was a lot of piano, a lot of like swelling scores but these ones I felt like have been pretty distinct like between Secret World of Eddie and um Poppy Hill right uh music was done by Satoshi Takabi okay so not okay Jewish, Jewish. but I noticed it was like very jazzy mm-hmm. um and I liked I thought it worked really well with the film right um I like I felt like the, the style was and I don't know um if it's because of the time period it takes place if that's right. why they chose that um yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting because it, um, it it feels different than a lot of the other Ghibli yeah, movies. And right. maybe because of the soundtrack, um, but there was definitely, like, it felt different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who was your favorite character? I went with Umi, but it was a close tie between Umi and Shun. Okay. I thought they both were very compelling. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of things about both of them. I really think Umi works well as a lead because Mm -hmm. she clearly is like an oldest sibling and basically is in charge while her parent, well, her mom's away and her dad is dead. So she does, uh, has a lot that she does and her grandmother makes a comment about it. Like, do you think you're doing too much? Like, because you're in school and you're also like helping around in the house and you're doing all this other stuff and charge of a lot and, um, I thought that I liked that you know you have that element of her being like very busy but she mm-hmm. also has like clearly drive and wants right. to help and like make change and um so I liked I liked that and like the dynamic between her and Shun's relationship minus the incest right. possibility part the other stuff I liked a lot yeah. um and I just like Shun as a character cuz he was very like outgoing and like you know, yeah. opinionated. Yeah, I picked Shun. Um, I just, I, I thought, I don't know, I thought his character was interesting. I also thought he was very, like, there was a lot of, like, realism in how he reacted to everything. He kind of, like, s- kept distance from her for a yeah, while because, right. like, I think he had to process everything and also he's like, oh, okay, like, this could be my sister. Right. Yeah, so I think his his reactions seem pretty realistic. I think, too, like you said, he's pretty charismatic and, like, he's clearly passionate about what it is that he's doing and i just think that his character like adds a lot to the story and like brings like um what am i trying to say like breath of fresh air yeah and he kind of like draws you in yeah his character so yeah i but i was kind of between the two of them but i just i think i liked his character a little bit more yeah i had a favorite line it was kind of a a joke line okay um at one point this girl just yells math club freak (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's an insult that's funny because I did the opposite where last time I had the funny oh, yeah. line. Um, so I think it's um, I think it's Shun who says it, but it's when they're basically having a debate about tearing down this clubhouse, yeah. and he says, um, "Destroy the old, and you destroy our memory of the past." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was um, I liked that like that sentiment that basically it was like, like we can't only think of the future; we have to right. also be reflective of the past as well. So, I liked that and I thought that worked well. Okay. Um, a favorite scene? There was the scene towards the end. It was like a flashback scene of like the father Mm -hmm. and it had like this piano montage playing. And I just really liked the change in the animation that they did and also like the music tied Mm -hmm. together. Part of that was my favorite like Ghibli moment. Okay. Um, I agree for the same reason. I liked the change Mm -hmm. in the style and the way it felt. It was like that and, um, like, the one dream sequence that followed, like, yeah. right, that was right in the same one, is it? I thought it was really, um, well done. My favorite scene, though, was actually when they get to the clubhouse, and you're just, like, walking all the floors and, like, looking in all the rooms and yeah. all the different clubs. I thought that was really, like, whimsical and, like, well done and kind of set the stage for, like, that plot of, right. like, trying to save this clubhouse, because you can see, like, it's filthy and, like, these boys are, like, like, the philosophy of the club is one guy and he's, right. like come join me, like, and they're like, oh, we gotta go, so yeah, (laughs) uh, bye, but I thought that was really, like, I liked that setup of that uh, location, because it made it seem very, like, full of life, and, like, you know, basically making the point, like, oh, it's, even though it's old, like, it has, it has charm, and it has, um, value. Yeah, I also love how they did, like, a classic 2010s, like, montage, like, sports montage, where it's like, this is the team getting better, it was like, this is the home getting (laughs) fixed. Yeah. But yeah. I did like um, that too. So Ghibli Moment it was kind of like it, it had to do with the intro, which is like the jazzy music intro. Yes. And then they also like halfway or third of the way, three fourths of the way through the movie, they like kinda do a callback to the intro music. Yeah. And I really liked how those like it tied the whole movie together, I felt like. Yeah. So I did a little a little double dip on the okay. Ghibli moment. So the first one was that like kind of dream sequence the father moment but then my other one was just the intro yeah i really liked the lack of dialogue and just the jazzy opening Mm -hmm. and like the somebody getting ready for the day and kind of setting the stage for the like the family dynamic and the character and so i really yeah i agree i really liked that as well cool all right well that one is done Move on to our next film. It is called The Wind Rises. And it is surprisingly rated PG-13, which I didn't think it would be. Uh, It was released in 2013, and it has a runtime of 126 minutes, which is two hours and six minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is an animated historical drama film that was written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. So it is based on a... um, Manga that he wrote from 2009 to 2010 and it is a fictional uh, Biographical film or like the manga about um, Jiro Harakoshi who was an aircraft designer Um, He worked for Mitsubishi and designed the AM5 and a A5M and a6M0 which were planes that were used um, in World War 2 specifically so the, um, music from this film was done by, uh, Joe Hisaishi, who, standard, he's in a lot of these films, yes. love to see him. And it also features a song by Yumi Matsus- Su- Matsus- Toya. I believe it, the, the song is called uh, Hiko Kikumo, which was written in 1973, and it was selected because the, um, producer of the film thought that it sounded like Wind Rising, so he thought it would be a good addition to the end of the film. And the artist had actually worked with Studio Ghibli before. She had written um, the song themes for Kiki's Delivery Service, so they had already worked with her before, so I think it was easy to get permission to use that song. Um, So it was the highest-grossing Japanese film in 2013, and it made uh, 11.6 billion yen in the box office, which is $113 million uh, Mm dollars. And it was nominated for um, the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature and a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film. And it didn't win either of those, but it did win the Japan Academy Prize for Animation of the Year. Mm. And it also won, um, I forgot to write it down, but it won for um, some other, like maybe an Annie Award or something. Miyazaki specifically, and we kind of talked about this when we talked about Ponyo, but he wanted to create a sequel to Ponyo. Okay. was what film he wanted to work on next. So instead of this film, but he was encouraged to adapt his manga by um, Toshio Suzuki, and um, Miyazaki initially didn't want to do that because this was kind of just a hobby. Like right. this manga wrote was a hobby and not really intended for a film and he also which i thought was really interesting thought he didn't think that the material was suitable for children which is like you made grave i mean he specifically did not make grave of the right. fireflies but your studio made right. grave of the fireflies um, suzuki said that the, um, children should be exposed to things that they aren't familiar with as basically like an argument like well why can't it be for children i think then he agreed and so this film was actually also supposed to be a double feature with the f- next film that we'll cover, which is called The Tale of Princess Cayuga, and it was going to be the first time there was a double feature with um, Takahata and Miyazaki films okay. since *Gray of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro, um, but what happened is that The Tale of Princess Cayuga ended up getting delayed by six months, so they okay. ad- they were not released together. They were released um, six months apart. Okay. The other thing that this film has is that there's some controversy over some of the depiction of um, war and tobacco, specifically. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of controversy over the tobacco use. There's lots of smoking, but yes. I mean, I feel like that's accurate to the time period, right. so I really don't care about that. Um, there was also some um, controversy over the f- um, from Korean audiences over the fact that there was a lot of um, Korean forced labor that assembled planes, Japanese planes for World mm-hmm. War Two. Um, and Miyazaki, um, I didn't, like, read the specific statement, but basically he's always been very anti-war and a self-described pacifist, so he basically made the argument that by telling a story about someone designing the planes doesn't necessarily mean that he was responsible for, like, it's not like a pro-war story in in his eyes, because he's just, you know, fast, clearly, you know, we know Miyazaki from talking about him, he has a fascination with planes. Mm -hmm. And so it's more so about that and less so about war. But right. he does still cover, like, you know, the uh, what happened because of these planes being made and, like, the impacts of war. It has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 83 out of 100 on Metacritic, 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 4.1 uh, out of 5 on Letterboxd. So now for the uh, summary. Mm-hmm. A chance encounter leads an accomplished airplane desire to love amidst rumors of war in 1920s Tokyo. Yeah, we just finished watching this. Yeah, we, maybe like, what, an hour ago or so? It's interesting. It's it's one of those movies that covers such a long span of time. It follows the main character from him being, like, a child to him being, like, in his... 30s, 40s, something like that. Those films are always interesting. How they do like the span of time, and there were a couple moments where I was like, "How much time has actually passed?" Right. Um, because it can get a little bit confusing. But I do think like the story itself is kind of like simplistic, yet like realistic. Like, there's a lot of realist real. I can't realism realism in this story, and it's kind of like one of those. It's a sad story. Yeah, it honestly felt, and it it might be just because they both take place around the same time, but it honestly felt a lot like Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, Not as intensive in the way that it's um, delivered, but a similar type of story of somebody who is like a a genius who Mm -hmm. is creating something that's ending up being used for mass destruction. Yeah, and you Um, kind of see like at the end how he's like, none of my planes returned. Like, and kind of throughout the movie, there's this this message of like what are your planes going to be used for like and he's like I just like to design beautiful planes like there's like this sort of like not like I guess kind of like a moral dilemma of like yeah he wants to design planes but then it's like he doesn't have much control over what they're used for or or what ends up happening it's yeah depicted in a way of like he's not Designing the planes for a war, he's designing the planes that are used for a war, kind of. um um, Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, there's this sad story with his wife who mm -hmm. has tuberculosis and ends up dying at the end. Well, we don't see her die, but she—it's—it's implied. implied. Yeah, it's implied. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's—it's interesting. I think it's—I really did like the characters in this movie. I did too. Um, I felt like they. They made it so that the focus was on a couple characters and that, I think, really benefited. They brought some side characters in and out. Mm-hmm. But I think focusing on, like, a couple main characters made it a lot easier to follow as opposed to the last movie where we were, like, who is who. Right. So I think that was good. I, and it was kind of, like, interesting because it was, like, he wasn't portrayed as, like, a perfect person because he was coming home super late and his wife was just, like, laying in a room all day sick. And I don't know. I think... I think it was interesting. I think... I don't fully know how I feel about it yet because it was so new and fresh. Yeah. Um, But I thought it was interesting. I I agree. I think that... um, I liked that... uh, the aspect of um, a lot of the quietness Mm -hmm. in the film. I think that there's some uh, times when they were very flashy with the way they showed things and described things and then there were some times where they were very quiet and somber. Um, Like because a lot of the film is like testing planes and sometimes mm-hmm. the plane crashes are very like loud and you're there and then there's like one specific one where you don't even see the like right. it happens like after the fact like you see the the crash of the plane and what happened and it was kind of it was a very quiet moment so i liked a lot of the i don't know like the the dreaming the yeah. like uh i don't know what the right word i'm looking for is but That it was focused on, like, Jiro and, like, his love of airplanes, Mm -hmm. you know, his desire to be a, you know, design them because he has bad eyesight so he can't be a pilot. So he's like, can I still make planes even though I can't fly them? Yeah. And his, like, dedication and drive towards that and just, like, the, like, there's this one scene where they're eating fish and he finds, like, a mackerel bone and he's, like, so transfixed on that being an element of a plane like a wing basically Cause looking because like the way the curvature yeah. of it is um and just like the way that he can look at something and see like flight in that right um so a lot of those moments I thought worked really well together one thing I did say and we had mentioned it while we were watching it is that like I wish they would have done a little more with his family. Yeah. Because you get mainly just his y- younger sister. Right. And she, like, I forgot he had a sister yeah. until, like, the last 30 minutes of the film because she shows back up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. He has a sister. So I feel like maybe there could have been, like, a little, like, maybe it should have shown up, like, one or two more yeah. times it maybe would have, you know. It almost, like, her reaction to the wife is so, like rightfully sad, but it's like in our sense she's only met the wife like one time because that's right. what it seems like. Um yeah. and yeah, you do forget that he has like a family and stuff. So that that was I would agree. I think I would have liked to see the sister like one or two more times. Yeah. Um but like otherwise, yeah, I really don't have many no. complaints about the film. I, I feel like a... it was it was designed to tell a story a certain way and right. I feel like it did a good job in doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it knew what it was. Like yeah. it didn't feel it felt like it knew what the purpose was and what it was and, like, stuck to that throughout the movie. I forgot I also should mention that this was intended to be um, Hayao Miyazaki's retirement from filmmaking. Yes. And a lot of people mentioned that it seemed like it felt like a retirement film. Like, right. it felt like he was taking a bow and creating this film. Yeah. To be his exit. He said, um, you thought. And he said, guess what, bitch? Psych, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, and guess what? He's like, just kidding. I'm making another movie, uh, which is coming out uh, soon. I respect month. it. It already is out in Japan. Uh, yes. And I know it's reviewing well, so he's still got it. Yeah. But we'll have to see when we actually go to see it in a bit. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah. Overall, I think a good film. I think so, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my favorite character was Jiro. I agree. I, I feel like it's... It would be hard to not pick yeah, him. Yeah, because he is such the he is the main focus of the entire film, and it's all about his entire life and right. He's definitely like a very captivating character, and um, I feel like easy to root for. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's hard to not pick him. Plus, also we watched the the English dub, and it's Joseph Gordon Levitt, so yeah. he has a nice voice. I would have so. loved to pick John Krasinski. His character was pretty good. I like, did pretty... like, yeah, I did like his friend. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, um, so. Favorite scene, Um, I picked the scene where um, he's at, like, this hotel in the summer, and he's got these paper airplanes, and he's trying to, like, figure out the best, you know, trying to figure out, getting creative inspiration, stuff Mm -hmm. like that, Um, and so there's, like, this montage where he's, like, throwing all these different airplanes, and he's with the girl, what, I can't remember her name. Nanako? No, uh, one minute. The woman he ends up marrying. Yeah. Yeah. One minute, let me... I, like, had just looked yeah, at it. Yeah, I did not write her name down. Um, Na- Naoko? Naoko? Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, so there's, like, this whole montage of them, and I just thought it was, like, a cute scene, and it was cool to see, like, his creativity and his inspiration come back yeah I picked the same scene as well I thought that was really well done because it basically what happens is he designed this plane and it crashed um after testing it so they basically send him to go relax and get creativity back and I agree I liked the simplicity of flying just air paper airplanes right. and trying to see how they fly and you know his future wife being they're interacting with and it kind of develops their relationship because this is after they've Uh, been reintroduced they they met when they were much younger um he helped uh her and um i i'm not sure if it's like a housekeeper or like a an um escort like her uh someone who's in charge of her a woman like after an earthquake and they meet again and you know so they're developing their relationship as an adult um and i thought it was really well done and i thought it established several things at the same time yeah yeah. Um I didn't have a favorite line that I wrote down. I wrote one down right at the end. Okay. So the last like scene of the film is him. He's been having dreams with this Italian um aircraft maker. Mm-hmm. Uh I can't remember the guy's name. Count something, Count C- Cristo or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Count Monte Cristo. Yeah. Uh and basically he's like um they're talking about how like none of his airplanes came back. You basically just get like a field of death, right. you know, post uh World War II. And he says that um, airplanes are beautiful, cursed dreams waiting for the sky to swallow them up. And I don't know if that's the exact um, phrasing of the quote because I wrote it down It was as it was being said. But I thought that was really poignant and an interesting way to display the, like people who are creating right. aircrafts and, like again, how things that can have such beauty are used for bad or right. war or, you know, destruction. Yes. Um, so I thought that summed up pretty well, like, the theme of, one of the themes of this movie. Yeah. Um, I went with Favorite Ghibli. I It's kind of like a mix. It's like just all the dream sequences. I picked the exact same um, thing too, yeah. I liked how they, like, kept the animation close enough that sometimes you couldn't tell if it was a dream sequence, sequence right at the beginning. Um, but, I mean, the music, Joe... Hashishi coming back is like, I mean, he's obviously very talented and we've talked about him many, many times. Right. Um, But yeah, all the music paired really well and I just thought it was interesting to see like how he, how he envisioned things and what he, you got more of his character through his dreams. So I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. I, yeah, I picked the exact same thing. The dream sequences were all very well done and um, especially the first one, like when he's a boy, I really liked that being the opening and a lot of the color use is really well done mm-hmm. in the animation. It was super crisp. Yes, looks good. Looking clean. Clean lines. I liked the use of those throughout the film. Like, yeah. I think there's maybe four or five yeah, there's throughout the few. course of the film. Uh, So I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, a good film. Good. I approve. All right. On to our next one. Next movie, Alyssa, is The Tale of... Of the Princess Kaguya. Kaguya, yeah. Princess Kaguya. This movie came out in 2013. Rated PG. Runtime of 2 hours and 16 minutes. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. And the box office was 27 million. Mm. All this information, again, is from most trusted source on the web. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. You get those letterbox uh, rating? You know what? I actually did not. I fumbled the bag on that. You fumbled you the bag. I'd like look to pull it up, right it up real quick for sure. us? sure. I'd I'd love to pull it up right now. Cool. Uh, it is a four point two out of five. Okay, pretty solid. Okay, so this movie was co-written and directed by um, Isao type tai- <laughs> Isao Takahata. Little. Fumble the mouth there, little early early uh, recording fumble there. Yes, Um, it is a a it's an adaptation of the tale of the bamboo cutter, which was a 10th century Japanese literary literary tale. Oh my god, words are hard. Literary tale. It it was the final film to be directed by Takahata, who sadly passed away in April of 2018. You think that's funny? (laughs) so embarrassing. I'm so sorry. I'm just laughing because Hannah is fumbling so hard. And then you're like, and he tragically passed away after making this film while I'm laughing. I'm so sorry. We've talked about it. It is a tragic, truly a tragic death. Um, Yes. Okay. So, this movie had a budget of $49.3 million, and I've read that it is the most expensive Japanese film to date, budget-wise. I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it received critical acclaim and was nominated for Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the 87th Academy Awards. So, a little background on this tale... Um, so Takahata read this tale when, wait, he read the tale the movie was based on as a child, um, and he had recalled that he struggled to relate and sympathize with the protagonist. Um, he reread the tale when he was older and realized that the story's potential to be entertaining, or the story had potential to be entertaining as long as an adaptation allowed the audience to understand how the princess felt from her perspective, so he began working on this film in 2008 and this movie was financed by uh this group called Nippon Nippon mm-hmm. and the chairman at the time gave 40 million dollars towards the project. Uh unfortunately, he died before the movie came out, oh. so he never got to actually see the finished finished product. That's unfortunate. So, originally, there was supposed to be a different composer on this film, but Joe Hoshishi replaced him, and this was the only time that he had scored a film directed by Takahata. I was going to say, I had saw in the credits that he composed the music, and I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know if he's done any Mm -hmm. of his films, because he usually works with um, Mizaki specifically. Yeah, so that was his first and last time, because... Right. You know, this was the last film that um, Takahata directed. Okay. So this movie was initially supposed to be released simultaneously with The Wind Rises. Yeah. But delays in production um, prevented that. It would have been the first time they had done that since um, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor uh, Totoro. Totoro. Yeah. Okay. um, So this film debuted at first place during its opening weekend in Japan. And it's the, uh, it was the 11th top grossing Japanese film of 2014. It was the first film of the decade to receive an approval rating of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. Yeah. So, took three years for a film to get 100%. Okay, so a summary. A mysterious young princess enthralls all who encounter her, but ultimately she must confront her fate. And that is from Max, the best streaming app I've ever seen in my life. And no hint of sarcasm detected there at nope. all. It's not hard at all to stream to a TV and get those subtitles to appear. Nope. Nope. Uh before we get started, I just have a question. Do you know um do you know what one the year this came out? Um, you know what? Bo- Cuz I was wondering because this is 2013. I was curious if it was the year Inside Out one. Yeah, let me see, because it didn't actually even say, and I should have looked it up. Because I know this didn't win, because I've definitely looked at the list of of movies that won, and I was wondering if this is the year Inside Out one because that's probably the only film that I would accept beating this film. So that's why I was curious. Like, what, what happened that year? What was it? Okay, so the nominees were this movie, Song of the Sea, how to Train Your Dragon 2, The Box Trolls, and Big Hero Six ended up winning. Big Hero Six? Yes. Oh boy. Okay. Well that changes everything. Because I was like, if it's The Year Inside Out came out, then yeah, I, I considering that's my second favorite Pixar film, then yeah, I can accept that, but not that there's anything wrong with Big Hero Six, but Yeah. That feels like a real uh real fumble. Yeah, inside a <laughs> real came fumble out in 2015 so 2015. A few few years okay, after. a little bit later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Big Hero 6 is like a decent movie, but I don't think necessarily an academy award-worthy movie. Yeah. Cuz I've seen How to Train Your Dragon 2. I haven't That's seen a, that movie. It's a solid movie. I've actually seen the last 20 minutes of The Box Trolls. Well, it's cute. I wouldn't give it a win. Right. Huh. I think if there's a film that someone could go out on as their final film ever, I feel like this is a very strong choice Yeah. in terms of style alone, like art style, animation style. It's incredibly... I can almost see a little bit of the influence from My Neighbor the Yamadas, Mm -hmm. like the kind of like uh, more like line watercolor type animation style uh, that we saw a little bit of there clearly this is less comedic and more serious i mean it's a it's a really good movie it's a really uniquely good movie i think it's a little too long and it's a little messy in the middle i think the plot drags a little bit Mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie But, my God, if this isn't some of, like, the best animation I've ever seen in my life. Like, some of the scenes, and I'll get to one scene in particular, but it's, like, stunning how, like, well done, and I can understandably see why this is the most expensive film ever produced in Japan. Like, I can get why that is the case. Just as my general overall thoughts to start. Yeah, I think, um, I think I agree with you. I really like the movie. Uh, I think it's... I think it's an interesting story that hasn't necessarily been done by Ghibli before. Like there's there's maybe parts of it that have been done before, but it, it feels like uniquely its own. And um I think I had a little bit of an issue more so not even the the movie, but I think just with It's not even an issue with the writing because it's like how people were in the mm-hmm. time period, and like how women yeah. were viewed, and like right, the men are shitty, which shocker. The music was really good. The animation was really good. The ending was unexpected and not how endings usually go, which was kind of a nice twist. Yeah. Um, overall, it was like a very solid film. I do wish maybe it was a little bit shorter. Uh, there was parts in the middle, like you said, where it was a little bit kind of slow. Like yeah, kind of dragged a little bit. But yeah, I thought overall it was actually, like, a very solid film, and I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I think um, what, you're, what you said about, like, being upset about certain aspects of the film, I think certainly there were periods in the movie where I was just, like, uncomfortable. But again, it's like, this is a a tale from a completely different time, like, hundreds of years ago. So... Right. Having to look at that through that scope uh, means that it's like, it's not unreasonable for the time frame that it was in. Right. And yeah, because there's one point where this guy just like comes up and grabs her from behind. I'm like, ah, I was like, no. Yeah. Stop. I was like, ah, I'd hate that. I was like, I was like, excuse me. How rude. Um, but then she disappears. So, it, you know, I was like, that seems about right. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, showed that emperor. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, cause at the beginning, I was like, there, when she was like little and she was going really fast, there was like that guy, like who I thought maybe was like a love interest. And I was like, mm-hmm. this better not be like a Jacob imprinting like situation. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It it was kind of giving me like Prince's Diary vibes for a little bit. Yeah. In, like, the montage of, like, her training. To become... Yeah, or like, like, My Fair Lady, like, yeah. that kind of, like, taking someone and, like, making, turning them. Take yeah. this and this and give you a princess. Yeah. Um, um, it gives a lot of that vibe. Yeah, but I just liked, there was a lot of, like, like, symbolism. Like, there was, like, this red and white dress she had, like, in a dream sequence, and then she's actually wearing it later on. Like, I like the parallels, and I just liked, I liked the I liked the different parts of this story. Like I felt like yeah. it flowed pretty well. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. confusing. And I feel like sometimes right. a movie of that nature could get confusing if not done properly. And we've seen it before in, yeah. in some of the movies we've done. Not just for not like for Ghibli specifically, but just overall in this in this podcast. Um so I thought they did a good job of of making it clear enough like what part was not, you know, like, different aspects and, like, different parts. I I appreciated that. Yeah, like, the progression, I thought, was well done. I just more had a problem with some parts I felt, like, took a little too long or went on a little longer than they needed to, but the progression between different parts of the story, Mm -hmm. I thought, like, went smoothly and flowed well because I liked having the different parts of this, um, of her life, like, the first, like, her as a small child mm-hmm. taking on the form of, like, a baby. And then, like, learning to be a child. Oh, sorry. Learning to be a child. And my throat closed up. And then <laughs> this part where her dad decides that she's going to be a princess. She's going to be royalty because he's found gold in the bamboo and is going to build a mansion, like, a large home. And then, like, teach her to be royalty. Right. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of sadness. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, I feel like isolation, themes like isolation, loneliness. I really liked the relationship between her and her mom. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting and really well done. Um, the supportiveness of that. Like, a lot of the, the personal relationships, I liked a lot. Yeah. A lot of those aspects. Like, I... I well, I could understand the relationship between her and her dad. It was frustrating. Right, it was really frustrating when you know the fact that he just couldn't understand what what made her happy. Right, right. like he didn't have that concept. Like for instance I'll just go to skip just cuz I were to kind of correlate to what we're talking about but um the line that I liked the best is she's talking to her dad and she says like all this happiness that you wish for me has been very hard to bear like yeah. basically being like I want to make you happy but this is not like I am not happy right. I want to make you happy but this does not make me happy. Yeah it's it's interesting because I almost feel like the ending feels satisfying in a way because I agree she was so unhappy with, not really with her mother, but with her father and with this mm-hmm. life he, like, pushed on her that I feel like yeah. her getting to be free from that is almost, it makes it not as hard. Like, it didn't, I didn't necessarily yeah. feel sad for the parents that she was leaving. It was kind of, like, this feeling of, like, oh, this is different, but this is kind of, like, nice. Because in a way, yeah. she's getting to, like, leave the life that she didn't love and, and mm-hmm you know be someone or like be someone else go somewhere else so um right. i kind of enjoyed that aspect yeah yeah i will say there was some children singing in this film but the actress they got for her could actually sing so i didn't hate it in the grand scheme i thought i was gonna hate it and i was like okay get a pass yeah get a pass got someone who can sing it's fine oh, it's the acceptable. best you can get compliment yeah. for melissa so <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah. If I don't hate it, that's a pretty strong compliment. Right. Yeah, I don't. I there's just like it was a lot. Yeah. I didn't really write a ton of notes because I just was very captivated and like engaged in the story and the right. art style, especially. I don't know if I have anything else really to say. No, I think we can go into favorites. Yeah. Okay, so my favorite character was um, Kaguya. Hmm. Um, I think. Again, it's one of those films where it's hard not to pick her because she's such the main focus and you go through, like, her life and her journey um, where it would be hard not to pick her, I feel like. But I just think above that she's, like, compelling and I liked kind of how she didn't totally buy into what her father wanted. Like, she tried, but she also, like, retained some of her power. Um, yeah. Which was cool and and good to see. And Ghibli's always done really well at doing strong female characters. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like another example of this character who's put in this position, but still can find a way to like, have some control. Um, right. So yeah, I, I liked her for those reasons. Yeah, I picked her as well. I agree. You can't really not pick her when this whole story is very focused on her and her whole life. And um and this concept that she is, she's not human, she's living, you know, as a human, and it's very unclear for majority of the movie, like, what exactly she is, which um, is that she appeared in a bamboo stalk uh, at the beginning of the film. But I like this idea that, uh, I guess, the I don't know the right way to phrase it, but that this character has, it's implied that she's committed some type of crime. Mm-hmm. And they don't tell you what it, exactly that means and that she was, like, kind of almost banished or sent away because of this crime. And I like that that's ambiguous, that it's not exactly clear um, at the end Then why she must return to her home. And I agree. I like that she, like, tries to uh, make her parents happy but also, like, has boundaries and is that wants to do things her way by having these suitors and making them find things that don't exist to win her love i think is interesting and uh, a di- kind of different twist on like a, that type of story you know so i really liked her as a character and i liked her sense of like it's kind of like um ariel and the little mermaid like her sense of wonder and discovery of like when she goes to the human world and she can't talk and she's just like experiencing all these things i kind of right. felt that similar kind of feeling with um kaguya as well like yeah. when she's kind of like learning about things yeah Okay, right. favorite line i didn't really write it word for word but it's the scene where like all the men come and like are bidding to whatever mm-hmm. and she like basically says that like she's treasure and that in order for them to like be with her they have to go find these like Obscene things and have to go get them, and I just like mm-hmm. the way that she like delivered it, and all the men were just like stunned and like, "What? We can't find that." Right? And yeah. She's like, well, I'm treasure, so you're yeah. gonna find. Yeah, if I'm, I'm yeah, like, oh, if I'm an exquisite treasure, then you have right. to find the thing that you think I am. I'm like, and you that's know. how you play the system. Prove my love. Yeah. Go fight a cloud uh, rain dragon in the, in the ocean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I did my favorite line a bit earlier. Um, yes. So I won't do it again just because I don't want to repeat myself. Yeah. In terms of favorite scene and Ghibli moment, it's the same. Okay. It's the same scene. So it's when they're like, they have her like naming ceremony and all these men come and it's basically like her sitting, just like waiting. You know, she's not involved in any way, shape, or form. This party's for her and she's not in the party or anything like that and basically she like overhears some of the men talking about how she's like not a real princess and then there's almost this like like incredibly raw emotion where she like runs away into the night and the animation style changes and like the audio is like almost non-existent and it's almost like it's like feral like and like incredibly raw and it it's definitely, I think, the best animation out of the studio and might be one of the best animated sequences I've ever seen, like, in my life. It was so captivating and so, it like, so well done. I was, like, blown away. Like, truly, that gave my, like, my own personal rating of this film an extra half star just for that scene alone because I thought it was just so incredibly good. Um, So it was my favorite, like, Ghibli moment and, like, my favorite scene just because I was blown away uh, at how good it was yeah that's my favorite ghibli moment as well like it was I like as soon as it happened i immediately wrote it down and i was like this animation looks so good like there's very little there's no words it's all Mm -hmm. music and it's very soft music so you really just get to focus on like the the animation itself i think that was probably my favorite favorite scene too but i also did like right at the end where She's, like, going away on the cloud, and there's, like, a moment where she, like, turns and looks back, like, just for mm-hmm. a moment, and then, like, faces forward again. And I thought that was very, like, symbolic of, like, not look like, one last look at her past life, and then, like, just moving forward. Yeah. The scene, I think it was my favorite scene as well, but if I'm picking, like, a different one, that's what I would pick. Yeah. yeah. This movie had a lot of, um, if that had not existed in the film, there are so many other, like, little moments that I really liked as well. Like, you know, there's this part where she, like, sneaks out and goes to see the, like, the cherry blossoms, and it's just, like, spinning on this hill and, like, laughing, and it's, you know, she's very much in spirit of how she was more towards the beginning of the film, and then, like, this child bumps into her, and then this, like, mother and her children are like, oh my god, this is, like, you know, I'm so sorry, like, we didn't want to disturb you, like, Please, like, have forgiveness on mm-hmm. us, you know, and then they, like, r- run away, and she's just, like, comes back to reality of, like, her position, and, like, that scene I really liked, or, like, uh, the scene where it's, like, a, almost like a dream sequence with this guy that was her friend, childhood friend of hers, mm-hmm. like, that they had reconnected and were, like, flying, and, like, yeah. there are a lot of, like, really well done small scenes that, like, otherwise would have probably been, like, a favorite moment, so there's a lot of this movie did small moments really really well i felt like i agree yeah let's move on to the next film all right so uh next film in the list is when marnie was there which was rated pg has a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes and was released in 2014 so this is a um, japanese animated psychological drama film according to wikipedia our most trusted most trusted source, which I thought was a weird way to describe this film. Psychologically, it did mess me up, so that's kind of accurate. Yeah, you know, and I I just thought that was so interesting, like, the choice of words with that, so I wanted to write it down. It was co-written and directed by Hiromasa Yonbayashi, and I probably butchered his name, but he was the uh, director of The Secret World of Arieti. Okay, so basically what happens is the Studio Ghibli shuts down after this movie is is done for a number of years, I think like six, five or six years, it shut down for a hot minute. And a lot of the animators left. So he, uh, this director left to go to Studio Panak, or Panak. I'm not sure how to uh, pronounce that. But just so he's not with the studio anymore, which is why he hasn't, it's not a form of the studio and directing anything new. Good. Because it was shut down. Anyway, so um, this is based on uh, the novel by the same name by author uh, Joan G. Robinson. Um, She's a British author, and the book was released in 1967. Um, And so the plot of this uh, movie was moved from um, Britain to be in Japan, the setting of the story. It grossed uh, 3.85 billion yen, uh, which is equal to $36 million in U.S. money. And it was also just of note, it was the final work uh, done by animator Makiko Futaki. And I think I might have mentioned her when we did our overall Studio Ghibli background of the studio. So she was involved with a lot of their movies, including um, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. um, Hayao Miyazaki referred to her as a valuable asset and someone he could trust. And she unfortunately passed away, I think, in 2017. So... It was her final work as well at the studio. Miyazaki loved this book, the book that this movie is based off of. And so he suggested that Yombayashi adapt um, a version of this into a movie. This movie was nominated for um, the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Oh, I see. And I wrote a note, parentheses, lost inside out. So I was just a year off. Uh. I was a year off. That's why I was like Inside Out, and it's because I read right. about it. So it, it was nominated. It lost to Inside Out. It has a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, a Metacritic score of seventy-two out of a 7.6 out of hundred on IMDb. Sorry, seven point six out of ten. <laughs> it's like a hundred. Are we doing <laughs> out of ten on IMDb? And then three point eight out of five on Letterbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so now for the summary. When Anna moves to the seaside to live with her aunt and uncle, she discovers an old mansion and the mysterious young girl, Marnie, who lives there. I've been queer baited a queerbait, lot. Queer bait. Queer bait. I've been queer baited a lot. This is by far the weirdest queer bait I've ever been queer baited by. I I wrote, I wrote I wrote so many notes about this film. Now the the trajectory of my thoughts of what was happening. Yeah. So first of all, I said LGBT Ghibli film? Yeah. Then I said, is this a time traveling movie? Uh, are they in parallel timelines? And then I said it's a bit awkward thinking they were gay, but nope, just family. <laughs> also classic mid 2010s queer baiting. Yeah, if you have not seen this movie, this is all you need to know. I wrote, this is the gayest and cutest shit. And then I said, I don't know what's real and what isn't. Wait, I'm sorry. Marnie was Anna's grandma. Weirdest weirdest queer band I've ever seen. This really took a turn I didn't expect. Here I was thinking we would get gay. But no. Basically, yeah. It's, I mean, was it, it- (laughs) It's weird that the scene the way- they chose to do. So here's my thing: I am so curious about the way this book is written, right? Right? Because is this a creative liberty they took? Not necessarily that they're um, that they're related, but the re- like the way they portray their relationship on screen comes across as as not as romantic to me. Comes out at as least. very gay. You know, they're talking about how they love each other and like in retrospect it makes sense because if it is her grandmother, then yeah, it would make sense that they would love each other. Uh, but not in that way. No, and like there was a scene where I said Anna's having a full gay panic moment. And let let yeah. me tell you, I've had those moments and that's what I saw yeah. on the screen. So And there's like blushing and yes, like you know, showing them blushing. The scenes and, where yeah. they held hands. Yeah, and dancing together. I've never held Ruth's hand like that before never i'm just saying <laughs> you can't tell me that oh there was no intention you even read a review someone said that they like we're not the only two people who think that this no is it's it's i when i went to go do the background of this film let me see on google i typed in this film yes. onto google and i think one of the first searches was Alyssa well, showed me a review someone wrote yeah i did and it's the first thing is, people ask, is when Marnie was here, which is the wrong, it's not even the title yeah. of the movie, but is when Marnie was here LGBT? No. It was something they said. It's a very common right. thing also, that people are interpreting this. Like, even more so, okay, now Ocean Waves was a stretch. I'm be like it was a stretch. We just I I it. saw it. I saw it. I wanted it, but you could you could still reasonably say that they're just friends, right? And they're not. It's not undertones of gay going on there. But this one, this one was very to me very apparent from the beginning, from the get go, and I was very surprised and shocked when the twist was revealed and their family. It's her grandmother's spirit. Yes, coming to the present to be with her because she died and left her an orphan and therefore she's trying to make amends through her spirit of a young child version of herself in the house she used to live in there's a lot of questions here i mean that aside i did think it was a good movie (laughs) my here's my problem like uh, aside from that plot point like i otherwise liked it my problem is this This whole movie, I was like, oh, they're in love. Like, this is so cute. This is like a cute little romance, summer romance Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. And I wrote down all these favorite moments, thinking that was the case. And then when it turned into her grandma, all my favorite moments were ruined. I mean, can they not be favorite moments? No, because they were cute because it was like the romance aspect. Okay. So it ruined all my favorite moments and then just ruined the movie. Okay. So all okay. I can think about when I think about this movie is that I was queer baited. Okay. So can you think about the movie outside of that? Can you try to? I mean, I wrote down a favorite scene, but now it seems weird. I mean, that's fine. You can still have a favorite scene. I I mean, I guess the movie was fine until it wasn't. I did like it until it wasn't <laughs> what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Like I like that we get a shit main character. I like that we start with her, like, not, she doesn't have self-confidence, she thinks she thinks very little of herself, she's a sickly, uh, uh, she's got asthma, gotta get sent away to the seaside like every young child uh, of Victorian times, you get sick, you go to the seaside, you get some fresh air. She calls a, a girl a fat pig, which I yeah. was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was messed um, up. Uh, I watched this one in English, so yeah, I did too. It was interesting. I was like, some of the I like definitely didn't pick up on some of the voices. Like, I they weren't like necessarily like immediately known. Where I was like, "Yep, that's that yeah. person," uh, which is nice. I appreciate that. But I thought it was interesting to show that perspective, like this kind of lonely um, character who's like kind of coming into herself gaining confidence, learning about her past because she's a foster child, right? And that is a story I don't think they've, you know, that they haven't told before. So I liked that, like, aspect of uh, the plot, you know, basically presenting, like, family, aspects of family can be different depending on, you know, different things and, right, you know, and, um, community and stuff like that. And it was a bit more character-focused, very, like, specifically character-focused and not much else going on in the story outside of the characters. And I kind of liked that as well, that it was pretty – I say the word simplistic, um, not, like, in terms of just general, like, the way the story went and not the fact that she is in love with her grandmother. Um, You know, that's not simplistic. That's a bit rough. Uh, The ghost of her grandma's past. (laughs) Ghost of girlfriend's past! She She's the ghost of Christmas past, Hannah. I feel like if they would have not made it queer, baby, it could have been a good movie. But the problem is, is that you're watching it thinking it's one thing and then all of a sudden it's not. And I'm like, if they had just kept the whole movie so that it didn't seem that way, I think it would have been more intriguing. Yeah, I guess the other thing to keep in mind, Hannah the lens of when this movie came out 2014 legend of cora hadn't even had its finale yet i think that was in 2015 or late 2014 and they couldn't even say they couldn't even acknowledge that they were gay like other than holding hands and looking longingly into each other's eyes you know right and but that there was, was no there's no need in this movie because it's her grandma But I'm saying, so I don't think the intention was to portray... Like, I'm saying, I don't think they intended to portray them as being, like, romantically involved. I think that they just didn't... I think the undertones were too strong. In a modern audience, I think, yeah, if you're writing it that way and showing it that way, then you are... It's intended to be, like, they're, they're in love... You know, they have feelings for each other. But I think in this lens and also through Japan... I'm guessing that they just wanted to show there's a closeness and not, you know, and not intending it for it to be gay. Yeah, but Ghibli's done so many relationships, like, friendships or, like, daughter, grandmother. Like, they do those relationships and they never do it like that. So why this movie? Why do they have to? And also, you're going to sit there and tell me that they didn't think that this would be portrayed that way? They were. I mean, yeah, in 2014... Yeah, which 2014. makes me think they queerbated and then they changed the plot on purpose. I mean, it was a book before it was a movie. I don't give a shit. I still think it's baiting, but does it, I don't think it was intended to be baiting. I think well, they just took it too far. I, I don't know. I would get the, the the feeling that Japan is not like, I guess I don't know, but I don't think in 2014 they were allies, strong allies of the LGBT community. So, my favorite character was Anna because she was gay and I relate. That's it. Okay, well, my favorite character is Anna because she's gay and I don't relate. Okay. (laughs) My favorite line was after she called the girl fat pig. um, The girl's mom came to the house that she was staying at and said... She called her a name, and then she pulled a knife out. I thought that was so ridiculous. And the lady was I like, know. I highly doubt that. I just was like, yeah. the way that she jumped from one line to the next, it was yeah. funny. I didn't necessarily have, like, a favorite line, but I did like the fact that, that I mean, it was uncalled for to call this girl a fat pig, yeah. um, but then her mom's like, and then she pulled a knife out yeah. at the celebration. I also thought that was, it was funny. Yeah. As um. well. I mean, my favorite scene was when they were dancing outside um, Mm. of the party because I thought it was like really simple and romantic. Yeah. I guess I liked it because it was simple and we'll take out the romantic part because that's no longer true. The scene that I liked is um, kind of like where they're kind of bonding in the woods, you know, like they're like in it's like them talking over like background shots. So it's like they're like walking through like the marsh area and then they're like walking in the woods and they're just talking about like life and stuff and connecting. And I thought that was like a good way to establish their relationship. Yeah. As characters. Yeah. Yeah uh ghibli moment there was this music that played in the final scene that i really liked uh so i picked that because of the song yeah i like that too i also just liked the overall shots of like this like mansion on the lake and the way they like framed like sunrise sunset and like the view like while they're painting it and stuff there's like this painting woman uh, who is friends with her grandmother that she meets and like they both are drawing the mansion so i liked like all those like long shots of the house and like the framing and everything like that so okay yeah all right i think it couldn't get much worse but sadly it can next Next movie is earwig and the witch (sighs) movie came out in 2020 is rated PG, had a runtime of an hour and 22 minutes. 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 2.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Grossed $842,000. Didn't even hit a million, which is yeah, pretty fair. Okay. This movie was directed by Goro Miyazaki. Um, the screenplay was by Kiko Niwa and Emmy Gunji. Uh, it was based off a novel of the same name by Diana Wynne-Jones, who unfortunately passed away before the novel was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this was the first full 3D um, computer-generated animated film by the studio. Um, And in June of 2020, images from the film were shown to Toshio Suzuki and Hayao Miyazaki. Um, At this point, they told Goro that they had faith in him and told him to go with the concept of the images. And after this point, he never consulted either the two of them again and worked with a young staff. Like Alyssa said, the studio had shut down for a while, all the... Original people left, so they had a very young staff when this movie came out. Um, he worked with them to complete the anime, and uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. The composer for this film was Satoshi Takabe, um, and this movie was supposed to premiere at the 2020 Canes Film Festival, but was canceled due, the, due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's very little background on this movie, as it turns out, but... It's received mostly negative reviews. Like I said, the author died before the novel was released or before she the, she had finished the novel. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a quick ending with the novel and the movie kind of takes that same route. I thought since I couldn't find much background, I would read you a review. Okay. From- also, I just like to, I, I might have missed it because I looked down for a little bit. The author of this novel is also the same author of Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, yes. I forgot to yes. say that. Okay. I was interviewed so they're not, but I was like, that's a fun tidbit of information that I learned we'll learn okay. about it. Uh, yes, I'd love to hear a review. So this is David uh, Ehrlich from IndieWire, who I think we've read some of his reviews before. I think we have. He gave the film um, a C- rating and said, Well, Earwig and the Witch is far from the ugliest film of its kind. There's something uniquely uniquely perverse about seeing... Ghibli's signature aesthetic suffocated inside a plastic coffin and sapped of its brilliant soul. About seeing the studio's lush green words replaced by lifeless backdrops and its hyper-expressive character designs swapped out for cheap dolls so devoid of human emotion that even the little kids look Botoxed within an inch of their lives. This is the cartoon equivalent of that botched Jesus fresco, only lacking the human touch that gave the debacle some perverse charm of its own. Okay, unfortunately I don't want to sp- I don't want to spend too long bashing yeah. this film. Uh continue, please. Um yeah, that was his review and unfortunately I kind of agree with it. A little bit harsh, but you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me just Walls do the down. summary and then we can yeah. you know. Oh, you didn't even get to the summary? No, that was just <laughs> oh, God. that was his okay. that was his summary. Yes. Here is right, the sorry. summary from Max. Earwig has no idea that her mother had magical powers and her life takes an unexpected turn when a family forces her to live with a selfish witch. <sighs> this movie's bad. It's the cars 2 of the studio. It was rough to watch. We started. Hannah and I watched this together. We started in Japanese, and the uh, the lip flapping, like matching, was so bad, and it was so hard to concentrate because the the animation was so distracting. Of how unsettling it was that we had to switch to English it was also unsettling in English as well. Let's be honest. They're just. I don't want to to shit on Gorō Miyazaki because i feel like he already gets that enough from everyone in his life for various reasons, you know. This wasn't it. This wasn't it. No, i love how you said i don't want to shit on him and i literally wrote a list of things that sucked about this movie. I mean, you can shit on him. I just don't want to personally. I, I just feel I feel I'll bad. Say. I feel bad, you know? Here's what i'll say. Um, Ghibli is so well known for a lot of things in and I think this film, unfortunately, a lot of the things that Ghibli excels in, like the review said that I read, like, none of it was good in this film. Like, even like a food scene. Ghibli's so good at doing yeah. these amazing food scenes. And the food in this movie looked horrible. Yeah. The sound mixing was really bad. We've never really had an issue with sound mixing. Yeah. With Ghibli. Fast and Furious, we had a ton of issues with sound mixing, but with right. Ghibli, but that's, we've never that's had that issue. Um, yeah the story was just not really there. The animation, Alyssa said it looked like Jimmy Neutron animation. It looks like Jimmy Neutron, yeah. It was rough. Like, it was like, if this had come out in, like, mid-2000s, maybe up to 2010, it wouldn't necessarily look out of place. It wouldn't look good, but it wouldn't be out of place. But then, like... The thing I have to think about is that this film came out in 2020 when things such as Into the Spider-Verse and Soul came out. Yep. Like equivalent films that came out right around the same time. And if you just like, Encanto, 2020 I think as well. Right. And it's just like, if I put all these things next to each other, this is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Well and like, like Oh here's the thing, like we're talking about compared to other studios, but we've seen Studio Ghibli's work. We've seen movies from the eighties, from the nineties that look so much better. And we've seen but it's we just talked about yeah. the last movie or two movies ago how it was like some of the best animation we've ever seen. Yeah. And then to put this out and just like
1: you know yeah. when you
0: you know when you have a school project and you're so tired of it at the end that you're like, nah, this is good. And you're just kind of like, it's not my best work, but, like, I'll put it out there. Yeah. But then you also put this out to millions and millions of people, and... Yeah. I kind of think this is part of the reason why H- Hayao Miyazaki came out of retirement oh, to yeah. make one last film. Because... Need to save it. as we've talked about, The Boy and the Heron is coming out. Yeah. Uh, in English, at least. it's. We're recording this at the end of November. This episode probably won't come out for a bit. Right. But... We're going to be seeing the new movie in theaters. Uh, we finally caught up to present day. It's 2023, baby. Yeah. We got a 2D animated film coming out. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine if this had been their actual last film? Yeah. Insane. Like, if Cars 2 was the last film Ugh. Pixar ever put out, like, that's sour. That leaves a sour note. But it's, you know, yeah. you can move past a bad a blip, you know? It's just a, a bad little blip. Well, yeah, and that's why I, like... I've seen the trailer for the new movie and I have a lot more faith and like it's also reviewing and scoring very well. Right. And like I get yeah. I get maybe you want to try something different, you want to try this 3D style and and mix it up. But like you said, that was that kind of animation was coming out like Ice Age. Like that was the kind yeah. of animation you were getting and that's also from a studio that wasn't that well known and didn't have that much money. So it's like I just don't know how this movie got, like how people were like, "Yeah, this is fine. Let's put this out." Like I'm not putting it yeah. all on. Um, oh no, Goro not on Goro. because I think yeah, no, yeah, there's a lot of other people who are involved in this, and oh, even for course. like his father and this other guy to be like, "Yeah, yeah. this is fine." Like let's roll this right. in. Granted, that was like early images, but right. I just think there needed to be someone to say like, "Hey, maybe we delay maybe this we a need bit." More and pol- yeah, or maybe we need more polish. Right. Um, maybe we like we. Go back to the drawing board, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, computer. They were com- So go back to yeah. the drawing board on the computer. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know how, you know when you see a commercial on TV and you're like, who approved this? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, who kind of let this go yeah. through? Yeah. It just needed so much more polish. Yeah. Um, it, it was funny. You said at one point that it looks like uh, an ad for a mobile game. Yeah. It, like and it's, like, the are, hair. Like, the hair was like the, so the doh What's Grandma hiding in her... Her house. Room? Like, secret attic or whatever. Yeah. Where you have to puzzle game. I just... I think it's kind of unacceptable for a studio that well-known and that, like, revered to produce something like this in this day and age, in 2020. Yeah. If this movie had come out, like, in the time frame, maybe it'd be like, right. okay, they were trying to match what everyone else was doing at the time. But I just think it's kind of unacceptable for yeah for a a studio that has that high bar to to put something out like this i agree that's kind Um, of how i feel i think what's hard is like if this movie had just terrible animation but a good story yeah then you know you can kind of work with that but this is both looks bad and the story really doesn't do anything it also doesn't fully make sense Like I understand here's the thing I understand that if you are adapting from a source material that doesn't really have an end because the author died while writing it I understand that but if you're gonna then adapt that into a movie I would think that you'd want to take creative liberties to kind Mm -hmm. of decide on an ending that makes sense yes and in the terms of this movie the ending just kind of happened and we were like what. Because I told Alyssa there was like eight minutes left and there was like nothing had happened. And I was like, yeah, it just I don't know. I I just just, there was a lot of issues. Yeah, like I don't even think we've even talked about any of the plot stuff. The girl was Earwig was incredibly annoying character. Mm -hmm. I really didn't like her. I liked the Mandrake, I guess, if I had to pick one character. Yeah, he was my favorite. Um, I read that they had added, like, the, the fact that, like, the band, the fact that her her mom and the the people she's staying with were in a band together, that wasn't part of the book that was added to the film. And I'm like, at least that's a nice addition. Right. Like, I liked, that was pretty much the only stuff that I did like was related to, like, the band members and, like, that past. But again, we didn't get very much with that. We just got, like, a little tidbit. Um, right. So I liked that aspect. But a lot of things were just not interesting, Yeah, did not look good, not sound good at times. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about any of these characters. Yep. I didn't really care for this movie in general. Yeah. So Let's I think just, on that note. Yeah. I didn't have any favorites. No, if I'm I had, had to pick a favorite character, it would be the Mandrake. The my, Mandrake. My favorite scene yeah. because I, as a joke, I said... She had, like, this doll, like, um, a vo- uh, vo- uh, <laughs> what is it called? Like, a voodoo, um... It's, yeah, she basically made, like, uh, like, I called it like, a voodoo doll. Right, like, a like, voodoo doll. And yeah. she, like, makes these arms, and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if she made it come out of her asshole, and they, she literally does... So I thought that was fun that. I forgot about it. that. Yeah, Hannah was like, because she was like, gonna give her, she needs an extra. Basically, she she kept saying, like, I got you from the orphanage to be an extra pair of hands. And she's like, I'll give you an extra pair of hands. And, and was like, wouldn't it be funny if she put it in her ass? And she did. And then she did. She put it on, uh, she, she had squeezed arm her, her asshole. Yeah. It was that part. I agree. That was funny. But yeah, besides that, I didn't have any. I mean, I can't even pick a Studio Ghibli moment because none of it was. I mean, there's there is and I don't mean to be rude. There is nothing, not a single moment in this film that I think I could say is a Studio Ghibli moment. Yeah, because it's just not warranted. Um, Yeah. And I hope I hope uh, Goro is doing okay. You know, I hope like he didn't take this and like it all things go wrong sometimes right we all make mistakes things don't always turn out the way we want them to like for instance he did tales from earth sea which was okay it didn't really review well it didn't score very well but then he came back and did up from poppy hill and that one was like well received and people liked that so like i know he can direct it's just a matter of figuring out the rest you know making sure everything else seems good before you put out a product so i hope he's doing okay At peace, you know. Okay, yeah, uh, that's that movie. We have finally caught up. We've watched twenty. We've watched twenty-three movies in about a year and a half. Twenty-three. We did it. We got through the catalog. Everything Mm -hmm. that is out on HBO Max, we've watched. Yep, we've reviewed. And now we just have one film left, The Boy and the Heron. Hannah and I will be going to theaters, we'll be hitting up that movie theater one more time in 2023. I think we've gone, this will be our third movie we've seen. Yeah. F- specifically for the podcast in theaters. I actually am really excited. Yeah. I've debated whether or not I want to watch a trailer for this because I haven't yet. And I'm wondering if maybe I should just go in like like I really don't know. I know the voice cast for the English because we'll have to see it dubbed um, in theaters, and I know I've seen like uh, like the theatrical poster, and I know the title, but that's I don't know anything else. So I I kind of want to think I want to just go in blind and see it. Yeah, you have any other thoughts? No, uh, just we have our Instagram our letterbox um, email r3podcasts at gmail.com yeah and we will be back soon yeah we'll be back soon bye bye we would like to thank joseph mcdade for our intro music he provides free music available for all kinds of creative use the song that we used is called sunrise expedition and you can find it and his other music on his website josephmcdade.com if you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching Research Rank Repeat. Welcome. I right when I was sniffing. Okay. <clears throat> Gotta stop doing cocaine. If it's the original taste of coke. I can't can't stop let's stop hannah's the devil Ooh, just know that hannah and i did um taboo and i didn't know you could do not do uh charade signals and my word was devil so i did the Jan like ooh, and uh hannah got it immediately but it didn't get to count because i used uh not words. I said I didn't expression. So it was very unfortunate, very sad. Um but I feel good about that aspect that it was a distinguishable thing that she knew what I was trying to express. So I like to have that known for everyone.